Hey y'all, Joey here. In the days since we recorded this episode, the war in Ukraine has escalated even more, with hundreds of thousands of refugees leaving the country and explosions tearing through its cities. What Russia has done has led to a truly terrifying situation, certainly for all those immediately affected by what is happening in Eastern Europe, either by virtue of being there or being connected to someone who is there, and our hearts go out to each and every one of them. We always hope that our show brings you just a little bit of joy, but we also know that attention must be paid to what is happening in Ukraine, and we are glued to our feeds for every update. So with that said, thanks for tuning in this week, and um, we hope you enjoy the show. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022, and you are listening to episode number 536. I will be your host this week. I am Joey Bertino, and I am joined by Mr. Bob Ryer. Am I Regis or Kathy Lee in this scenario? Yep, and it's just the two of us. <laughs> just the two of us. I just heard that song today. I was listening to the best of Bill Withers. It's uh, it's been it's been quite a few hours as we've been yes. coming up to this recording time. Uh, Steve's got a huge work opportunity, but they kind of dropped it on him last minute, and he's got to do some prep for that. Aaron, similar situation. John's got some stuff going on at um, home that he needs to take care of too. So it's a busy Monday evening for us on our recording. Bob and I are flying duo tonight. <laughs> Uh, with potentially a special guest Ooh. later in the evening, um, we'll get there. We'll see. We, you know, we might do a little Frankenstein work and and put together maybe a couple of different recording sessions to make a full episode. But as Bob always says, we can't go a week without a talking comics episode. No, so we're making it happen. Even Superstorm Sandy couldn't stop us. Exactly, and that just got postponed, right? We like it. it well, just we were, the, the, the sad thing about that was we were interviewing Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader for their book Halloween Eve on <laughs> Halloween Eve, and no one ended up with any electricity. Yeah, so we we that got put off a week or so, but we did post the episode of The Mind's Eye, my Lovecraftian romantic noir radio play. Mm. So we, we did throw that in there. It was sitting in the archives. And one of these days, we'll we'll do the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> I have the script in my Google go. Drive. I'm ready to go. Hey, if our special guest tonight is any good on the mic, maybe we'll have another uh, actor. I'm, actor I'm for all it. for it. But now, oh, could you be the our couple? Could you be Barbara and Ooh. John? I think that could be fun. 
We shall see. We shall see. Mm. Um, so the plan for our our two hander tonight oh. is just to do a little bit of slapstick. Yeah. You know, we'll do the setup, a little odd couple kind of bit. No, it'll be, uh, just kidding. We'll do um, a, our lightning rounds together. Bob and I have a ton of crossover in our lightning rounds. Um, some things from last week that I know y'all talked about that I want to make sure I get in on as well. And then we're going to jump into something that um, was in a saga number 56, uh, which was this so wonderful cool. survey that Brian K. Vaughn um, put together. And it's actually asked for people to send in their responses to. Um, and we figured it's so damn good. We'll do it on the show. Can so we send him a we'll link to the show? That, that we should do that. Uh, right? Yeah. I'm hey, thinking. Man. That's it. Um, and besides that, can we do who's on first? Do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the I don't know the whole bit. What's the What's the bit on your answering machine? Oh, that is from the Marx Brothers movie Duck Soup. Right. Okay. Where the, my phone? I have I have an old fancy old fashioned answering machine. I don't own a cell phone, so if you call my phone, it rings four times and then rings again, and Chico Marx picks up. Hello, hello. No, he's not. In. <laughs> All right, I tell him goodbye. <laughs> and the Groucho chimes in with, I'm sorry I'm not in. I want to have a long talk with you. <laughs> and it just it hit me that that should be on my answering machine. I've had people call, get the wrong number, and then call back and leave a message saying, I just want to hear your message again. <laughs> I'm, I think some of our listeners have heard it on the show at times when, when people have the misfortune of calling you during recording. Yes, it, is. it might be that. Someone like just called us. Actually, two people just called. I just spoke to Jess for all you or our fans. Jess was just on the phone with myself and just had another call. And uh, I said, oh, we're about to podcast. Shh. <laughs> uh, we should get Jess back on, too. Jess is doing very, very well. She is feeling much, much better. New new treatments, new things are making a huge difference for her. She's back to work and up and running. So that could be a thing too. I will might see someday. her tomorrow night. You never know. Just just drop the just drop the just line. Drop it like, hey, you know what? It was me and Joey yesterday flying solo, and you know who would have been great? You. <laughs> Exactly. I guess that's not as subtle as I probably would have uh, no, liked but, it to be. But. <laughs> especially with Saga in in the mix here, that is the book that got her started on comics again. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, speaking of Saga, do you want to take us on a lightning round? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Saga 56, Brian K. Vaughan, Fiona Staples, letters by Phonographics. As we left off last time, Alana and her family had been taken into a rather ominous and, as it turns out, incredibly accurate skull and bone spaceship crewed by, of course, space pirates. (laughs) That she may take up some business with them, well, it has Hazel really concerned and with good reason based on the climax. It was stunning climax. Not much else to say. I don't want to spoil this for folks. Just it is so wonderful to have this book back after this hiatus and it is every bit as good as it was before uh catwoman 40 by teeny howard nico leon jordi belair and tom napolitano was just another amazing issue marvelous film noir first half that was caught by a very heisty closing act and again with some consequences for selena moving forward as we get to the end of this teeny howard just has been the writing sharp witty emotional 
the Leon Biller combo has this series looking at its best since Joel Jones was was behind the pencils. Just simply amazing. Uh, and now let's take a quick trip to the K corner, and that's not the one from the Mets' Doc Gooden back in the mid-'80s, but for a couple of issues written by Kelly Thompson. Captain Marvel 36 features art by Sergio Davila, inks by Sean Parsons, Roberto Poggi, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by Clayton Cowles. It's the finale of The Last of the Marvels arc. It's a battle royale with more guest stars than you can shake a stick at, if that's your idea of a good time. Anyway, beyond the big battle against Vox Supreme, what we have here, it just made this issue sing as how Ms. Thompson showcased everything we love about Carol Danvers. Smarts, grit, sass, all leavened with great humanity. The issue also sets up the new Genesville miniseries by Peter David, as well as whatever plans are afoot for, spoiler alert, the new binary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Black Widow 14? Black Widow 14. Where, where, where do you begin? Well, Natasha's got herself a rematch against the seemingly unbeatable Living Blade, and all she has to do to have her plans to free her friends come to fruition is, well, survive long enough for Elena James and crew to make it happen. Beautifully brutal, if that's a phrase, in in words and images. And, man, what a cliffhanger. (laughs) Stunned. Absolutely stunned. It's comics. It's going to change, but... Uh, look, across her run on this series, Kelly Thompson has shown herself to be, not to mention everything else, but just an absolute master of on-model characterizations. Right there with folks like Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gail Simone, Mark Wade. It, it was, those, those folks' works on anything they touch reminds you of the classics, yet brings you just a new flair to the proceedings, and Kelly Thompson on this Black Widow is super. Finally, and really, really quickly, after years delay, Dynamite released Kevin Conran's Sky Captain and the Art of Tomorrow, which is an insanely deep dive into that groundbreaking 2004 film, which is sadly not as well remembered as it should be. <laughs> Both is a, a rollicking retro piece of entertainment, but it's the ground floor for how virtually every huge action of superhero movie of today is executed. Mm-hmm. This was all blue screen with nothing. There, there weren't even props in some cases. And you look at the Marvel behind-the-scenes thing, it's just people stay in front of blue screens. And this is 2004. Look, if you're a fan of this film, or just, look, film in general, you got to pick this book up. There are two versions. There's the $35 hardcover, which is awesome. This is a $100 special edition with print, prints <laughs> and membership cards and the Sky Captain Legion of, you know, like an old radio or serial thing. And Angelina Jolie. And Angelina Jolie. She comes with the book and she reads it to you. She comes with the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it for me. But I, I know a lot of people don't remember this movie much anymore. It sounds like, Joey, you do. I did. I, I saw it. I remember I probably eight months ago, I was like, it was on Amazon or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to watch this. Uh, because I remember watching it probably closer to when it was released. But it's interesting you bring up the blue screen thing. Because one of the things I'll talk about in my lightning round is, I've been watching the assembles, the Marvel um, TV show, kind of like how they do everything. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, a lot of it is all studio work. You know, it's all blue screen sound stages and all of that. And you remember that, like that Sky Captain movie was just that was it. And that was like the, the whole like conceit was like this is all shot 
on these sound stages, mm-hmm. blue screens. It's how the the star some of the Star Wars movies mm-hmm. were shot too, the prequels. And uh, for that to be 2004. It's 20 uh, years ago, in I know. essence, when he started. You look back and, like, you respect it more. You know, like, in yeah. the moment, you were like, eh, yeah, that looks a little shoddy. <laughs> but you respect it more knowing how visual effects has kind of evolved since then. You know, it's like going back and watching, like, Lawnmower Man, which has, like, the worst CGI. But, but the for fact that it was CGI. 90, 19, was it? 95? Yeah. 6? No, yeah. actually, no, I think it's 90. Too. It's earlier. Yeah. It's earlier. And even like the original, the original, the, the Spawn movie has some like, by today's standards, ridiculous CGI. Yeah. But that movie came out in 96, 97. 96, you know? yeah. That was working so the video store then, yeah. Yeah, it's impressive. And I, I, I'm a sucker for a lot of the people in that movie too, Sky Captain. So, you know, I'm into that it. That happened out of nowhere. Um, you know, the Conrins were making this little movie that they shot a six minute trailer for put it onto video cassette. And we're going to walk into studios with a video cassette in a steel box with rivets on it and a little robot toy. Hmm. And the first guy they hit was John Avnet at Paramount. And he went, don't tell anybody else about this. We'll make this. <laughs> we just got to, we got to make this movie and I can get your people to be in it. Mm-hmm. And there was Jude law and Gwyneth Paltrow, and they were they're just, they were just all in to this crazy yeah. movie that is shot. There's a scene early on, if you remember, where Gwyneth is in a phone booth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the robots are walking down the street. Now, the two things about it. First of all, her dialogue, that is from the Orson Welles War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Oh. They're crossing Fifth Avenue, Sixth Avenue. They're 100 feet away, and that's right from his broadcast. The only thing in that scene is Gwyneth, real, is Gwyneth and the telephone, which is nailed to the wall. Everything else yeah. was animated in. It's an animated movie with real live people as the special effects. Yeah, reverse yeah. Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it is so filled with Easter eggs and oddball things. And now, when they, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off. We should, I should do a show with Steve about Sky Captain uh, for his animation show. When they get to this, the island of Totenkopf, they're underwater and these, their planes go underwater. They fly through the air and they go underwater too, please. Come on. <laughs> they fly past a ship on the ocean floor. Do you, do you know what ship that is? I don't. It's the Venture. That's the, that's the ship that was in the original 33 King Kong. Oh, and as they pan backwards across the ship, there's a wrecked cage in the on the back half of the ship. Wow, <laughs> it has the same energy. I mean, obviously, like the technological element of it is one thing, but it had that same kind of energy and flair of when we watched the Rocketeer. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Last year, you know, that same kind of like vintage flair with you know planes and people with eye patches, <laughs> yeah. and, you know. Old cars and old stuff. Yeah. And- Obviously with a more of a kind of like a steampunky kind of yeah. feel. But and there's something about that, too, that like when it came out, people like didn't get it, you know, um, which is a bummer because I really like I really like yeah. both of those movies. I, I look, I paid to see each of them multiple times because that's that's my year. I grew up on those movie serials on television that, that mm-hmm. filled public television at the time. And to watch someone. Lucas is part of that too. Look, when Star Wars came out and there's that crawl up the screen, which is right out of Flash Gordon. It's like, 
oh, this is a guy who gets it. Yeah. And those people who, right, who appreciate, and there was that whole brief moment after Rocketeer. We had Rocketeer, The Shadow with Alec Baldwin, uh-huh. The Phantom. Uh-huh. They're a lot of fun to watch. Are they all great? Are they all perfect? No, but could you spend two hours with Billy Zane as the Phantom and Catherine Zeta-Jones as the bad girl? Yeah, <laughs> pretty easily so. Uh, by the way, I have one more note about Sky Captain. We'll get on to other stuff, I'm sure. Everyone should do themselves a favor, and I've talked about this before, I am certain. Go to YouTube and look up. It, it's in the closing credits. There's a version of Over the Rainbow mm. by a jazz singer from here on Long Island. Her name is Jane Monheit, M-O-N-H-E-I-T. There have been probably 500 versions of Over the Rainbow. Except for Judy Garland's, nobody, nobody hits the hits it where it, it where you live, the way Jane mm-hmm. does in for the closing credits of Sky Captain of Sky in the Captain. World of Tomorrow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway. I, uh, it's funny that you said that about um, Kelly Thompson, about her kind of on-point characterization with characters like Black Widow and Captain Marvel. And you mentioned like Mark Wade, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gail Simone. The thing I love about those writers and their handling of characters with these long histories and their ability to characterize them true to form is that their stories are not throwback stories. Yes. There's not archaeology. It's new stuff. Yes. They are dealing with new characters, new, new casts, new villains, you know, and, and that's something like the black widow book. For all of the kind of reaching into Black Widow's history and Natasha's history has felt the freshest that that character has felt in years yeah. um, since Mark Wade really yeah, did right. his book. But, but you know, there's something like nothing about that book looks or like the cast and all of that is is reminiscent of things that have happened before. Um, same thing with Captain Marvel, you know, for for everything that, you know the multiple runs between Kelly Sue and Kelly Thompson were doing and trying to work with different characters and, and do all this stuff. None of them really felt as fluid and natural as what Kelly Thompson's been doing on that book. Hence the fact that it's up to 36 already, 37 yeah, more than anybody else not, has done. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think is really speaks to, to Thompson's ability to both tell new fresh stories while, as you said, kind of being true to the character. When you you talk about the Black Widow book, when you had Elena Casagrande as we did with this issue, yeah, that always raises it a level. Yeah, but we have the, a new character, a new villain who's every bit Natasha's equal, which she hasn't really faced before. Right, and it's and a lot of the books. I mean, the last time she faced like someone who was her equal was Yelena. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's funny because like the other thing about Casa Grande's work is that, you know, I loved the Phil Noto Black Widow, and when Mark Wade and Chris Samney did Black Widow was awesome as well. The Saskas, the Saskas, you know, but but nothing has looked like. Yeah, Casa Grande's work on Black Widow, like it is just, like it, it's got that Joel Jones flair. And if Joel Jones were ever to like do a Black Widow ooh, book, ooh. Uh, like a run like this, which I imagine was kind of like her Catwoman, yeah. you know, when it started, it had that same kind of energy to it. Like it's got that same kind of richness to it that we haven't really seen. Um, I love the Phil Noto run. 
Um, but it, uh, like you said, the I couldn't even tell you who the bad guy was in the Phil Noto uh, Black Widow run. It was like the it was like it was like the Russian bear or something yes, like yeah, that. Yeah, they were absolutely like, right. Like, yes, it, it's something weird. I, I can't even remember. It was a made up character. Someone they were, they were trying to do something new. And it just, it didn't, it didn't fit, it didn't land, right? As much as like the treatment of Natasha did. Like that was a book that was Natasha. The thing I love about, as you're saying, this run is that it feels like the antagonist matters. You know, it feels like it's an actual good versus bad kind of book. Um, The stakes are high, as the kids say, you know. And the throwback Uh, that we got to see their first battle sets all this Mm -hmm. up. And mm-hmm. the living blade is complicated. Yeah. There, there's that honor that someone like Dr. Doom has at a certain level. Still a villain, but the, yeah. his own code of what's going to happen exactly, which unfortunately may include really messing up Natasha. It's the same thing with Vox Supreme, who yeah. like when when he like showed up, I was like, what is this? I don't know if I'm into this, but Kelly Thompson has done a lot of legwork to make him like a legitimate threat and a legitimate villain for Carol, which is something that interestingly, like Carol doesn't necessarily have a rogues gallery in the same way. A lot of her care, a lot of her villains were like, you know, John rock would go back to the, the old days. Yeah. Yeah, or Mystique, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is like, okay, we get it, or Rogue, you know, like, which, again, it's, it's those characters are operating elsewhere and having their own arcs, but Carol has doesn't really have a huge, like, arch nemesis kind now, of Grace thing. Valentine might have been that, but, yeah, never, but that no, one, no one's ever picked up on her, really. Mm-hmm. Although, we'll see, we'll see if the movies do. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, I think that Thompson has done a really good job of making Vox Supreme the Carol bad guy, you know, over the last 15 issues, it seems like, yeah. you know, um, which, you know, does feel a little long. Um, the over, uh, She's been back and forth between the last Avenger uh, arc and now this arc, um, but it's does what it had to do, which makes Fox Supreme the nemesis um, in a really good way. Or, uh, and uh, what's the name of the Namor's son? Oh, Orm, e- or- EO, something like that. Well, it's something out of like my that, head. Yeah. Oh, you're throwing questions yeah. at me, Joey. I don't know. I, yeah. I couldn't remember. I thought it was like Ohm. Yes. Is it Ohm? Yes. Ohm? Or is that, am I thinking of Aqua Men? It could be. Well, we'll have to look, anyway, we'll look it up. But yeah, that, we'll look it up. I, I don't think but, he's gone forever either. No. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I really like the fact that Kelly Thompson in Black Widow and in um, in Captain Marvel has really taken these two characters and put villains opposite them that make an impact and actually actually matter, you know, and aren't aren't going to disappear. I think I don't I don't think these are the kind of villains, the way that she's developed them and pushed them into this kind of rogues gallery for these characters. They're not going to vanish in the same way that like. You know that guy from Phil Noto's run, or the guy from Mark Wade and and mm-hmm. um, Chris Samney's run, which were terrifying at the time, but never picked up again. You know, yeah, um, yeah I think as long as Kelly Thompson stays on these books, they will resurface. Mm-hmm. And that's you, you don't want as a longtime reader in quotes, you don't want Doctor Doom every month, you don't want the Joker every month, or Lex Luthor every month. 
but their threat can be there. And every once in a while they pop up when you've got the right story to tell and they're terrifying. Well, and the fact that she's been able to do that, you know, I think is really impressive. You know, um, it's one of the things that like, I, as someone who read Batman a lot over the last like three, four years, it was like, okay, I guess we're doing the Joker again. Yeah. Or like, I guess we're doing Riddler, Riddler again or yeah. And it's like, Oh, you know, okay. I mean, they've okay, added some stuff recently, but uh, Court of Owls to me always struck me as that was something special being added to the that mythos. was something special, and that's why that's a run that that like you know matters. Um, even Fear State, like James Tynan and and Joker mm-hmm. War, like they were a ton of fun to read. But end of the day, they were Joker stories. It was a Joker story and a Scarecrow story. You know, the most interesting thing about those that run about James Tynan's run was his introduction of the Peacekeeper stuff. Yeah, you know, that was cool because that was different and it like pushed the the push the franchise into some different corners right when it got down to just like the scarecrow doing scarecrow things i was like all right cool been, i guess been there, done that. Know? but yeah it, it could yeah. be a good story but mm, look even even stan and jack four or five dr doom stories in this so it's dr doom again yeah but they could recycle it and come back again and give you something great now not not to bogart a new story that from later but that Chip Zdarsky, who's taking over Batman, mm-hmm, is talked mm-hmm. about creating a doomsday for Batman, a villain that somebody knew that will be a threat for now and forever. Gotta love that. Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, hopefully they don't sell any uh, hollow foil covers or no, something. Or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> NFTs. Now they'll sell NFTs. That's true. That's true. Um, I did not know, like I knew that Teeny Howard was doing Catwoman, but I did not know that it was Nico Leon. And now you got me looking back a little bit. (laughs) And I got to tell you, I I love Nico on Ms. Marvel back in the day with Jordy, with Jordy Belair. This art is another level. This is, it must feel totally different. Yes. It is some special stuff here. Again, it is dark film noir, whatever Selena, incredibly well-written by Teeny, mm-hmm. beautifully delineated. It is action-packed and interestingly laid out just the way the Ms. Marvels were. But now it's all, it's not Jersey City in the daytime anymore. It's Gotham by night. Mm-hmm. Is that her, is this the second issue? Second issue. issue? Second Teeny? issue. Yeah. Teeny, you know, I don't want to say burned me, but Excalibur lost a lot of juice for me. Gotcha. And I, I kind of dropped off the teeny train for a couple of months, and I, and I think Catwoman. Just hearing you talk about it, I think I might, I might jump back on. Take a shot back. Look, um, the Excalibur. I, I love the old Claremont Allen Davis Excalibur, yeah. which Marauders was much more like than the new Excalibur. Sure. But her, her writing was good. It's just I didn't want to read those characters in that setting. I think that's what it was, and I think that like the. Like I, I strange Academy has been the first time that I've ever truly enjoyed like the magic side of 
the Marvel universe. Um, so when Excalibur was doing like the other world and the magic and like Richter was all of a sudden like a magical monk from the apocalypse <laughs> yeah. call. I was like, you lost me. Like I, I, I'm not feeling this right. Which is a bummer because I've really enjoyed Teeny's work in other places. And I think that hearing you talk about Catwoman is kind of the version that I want to read of her writing. So I do want to jump on. I've heard great things about the Rom V stuff. I know you were kind of iffy, uh, iffy on it. Um, and the Joelle Jones start to the series was awesome. awesome. It didn't finish um, well. I think they gave her put too many things on her plate and then it sure. ended up, she was writing, but not drawing or doing covers or pages. And Wonder girl went down the same sort of road. Yeah. That's a bummer. I mean, her series didn't even get to finish, but now she's going to be part of trial of the Amazon. So we'll see how that works. But th- this Catwoman, I've been on and off Catwoman for, um, when was the last time I was buying? 30 years. No, no, no. Yeah, at least that. But um, <laughs> there was a run where she was the mob boss. Was it Jill Valentine? Who, who was doing the book then? I don't know. I, I read the Ed Brubaker runs. I love those. Uh, Darwin Cook. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that stuff is so good. Um, and then obviously like New 52, I didn't touch. Oh. Um And then and then I, I didn't read anything until the Joel Jones takeover. This will make you happy. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll definitely jump on then. Um, maybe, maybe. I also saw that Elena Casagrande is doing some art for Trial of the Amazons. Wow, I didn't see that. Okay. I saw it. I was reading. What was I reading? I was reading Aquaman, and it was one of the ads in there. It was like Trial of the Amazons. It was like, you know, Vida Ayala and check, 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 check. Like all my favorite people, you know? And then it was like Elena Casagrande. And I was like, oh, Ooh. here we go. Yeah, I'm in. I've already pre-ordered all those. It's short. I think it's only seven issues, seven or eight issues. And there hasn't been a Wonder Woman event since Amazon's attack, I guess, 25 years ago, 20 years ago. Sure. It's like, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. That'll be our summer event reading, uh, you know. Well, we have maybe two months away. Yeah. And we have the other whatever, you know, Death of the Justice League. Which. And. Timeless? No, not timeless. What is the event? Oh, uh, uh, Inhumans versus not Inhumans. Eternals versus Eternals. Judgment Day. Judgment Day. Eternals versus X Men versus Avengers. Sure. Axe, if you will. <laughs> like, gonna it. need some axe body I, I never thought of that. But axe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me jump into my. What's your here. lightning round, Joey? Here we go. You guys didn't talk about it last week, so I want to make sure I talk about it. I read Iron Fist number one, the relaunch here um, from Alyssa Wong and Michael Yeag. Um, This was the solicit. Who is the new Iron Fist? After giving up his power to save the world, Danny Rand believes he's seen the last of the Iron Fist. But when demons begin to attack cities around the world, a mysterious newcomer in a familiar mask appears, hands blazing with the chi of Shulao the Undying. Who is the new Iron Fist? I'll tell you since it's been two weeks. It is Lin Lee, also known as the Swordmaster. So anyone who read War of the Realms or the New Agents of Atlas when oh. Greg Pak was doing it, Swordmaster was this character. Lin Lee, he's he's Chinese. He's got this giant like jade sword. Basically, it's yeah. got magical powers. Um, and basically, what happens in Iron Fist number one? He gives you the quick flashback is like he was in this fight and the sword exploded in his hand. 
and he has shards of the sword in his forearms and his hands and everything. And the only way that he survives is Shulao the Undying grants him the powers of the Iron Fist, and it and it, it allows his it allows his hands to kind of deal with the pain of these magical shards inside of it. Nice, nice really, little switch. I like that. Yeah, right. Really cool setup. Nice twist on the mythos. Um, Danny Rand is still part of the book. He, he like shows up. He's like punching some zombies or whatever. And he sees Lin Lee with the mask on and he offers basically offers to be like, I, I can help you like come to terms with this new power. And Lin Lee is like, no, I'm going back to, to Kunlun F you. I'm a teenager, <laughs> you know? And he, and he like goes back and tries to deal with some stuff. Um, th- there's a lot of layers to it. The first issue does feel fast to me. They did a lot of, of setup and legwork in terms of like giving you that flashback and trying to introduce this new character to you and also catching Danny Rand up from where Larry Hama left him off from the, sh- from the miniseries that he did last year, um, which was a ton of fun. If, if, if you didn't get a chance to read Larry Hama's iron fist, I think it was like Larry, I, I think it was like iron fist, something, the dragon or heart of the dragon or something like that. It was like six issues, Really cool miniseries. He he ends up giving Okoye the power of the Iron Fist during that. It's really, really fun. Um, And at the end of that, of course, like I said, Danny Rand gives up the powers of the Iron Fist. Um, so it's really interesting to see Alyssa Wong kind of picking that up here and and putting it into the hands (laughs) hands of Lin Lee. Um, I, like I said, though, the first issue is a little quick. It does feel like they crammed a lot into it, which makes me think like, oh, they're giving this five issues. Yeah, like they're like they, they're they are not treating this as an ongoing. I don't think maybe they will if it really picks up. But it feels like they were like, let's get the story out. Like, let's let's cram this full of exposition and characters so that like. Whatever happens after this miniseries, at least the new Iron Fist is set up. Um, now, the character Lin Lee, as I mentioned, is the Swordmaster. Lin Lee debuted in a book called Warriors of the Three Sovereigns by Shuizu and Gunji. This was originally in Mandarin. It was a partnership between Marvel Comics and uh, some organization over there. I can't remember exactly wow. what it was called. Greg Pak, when he introduced Swordmaster in the Agents of Atlas book and the War of the Realms book and all that, he basically helped with the translation of Warriors of the Three Sovereigns and paired it with a Swordmaster Shang-Chi team-up backup. And that book probably ran in 2019 for like 10 or 12 issues. So after I read Iron Fist, I was like, I know this character. I want to go back and read more of this character. So I've been reading some of those. And it's a ton of fun, too. It's Shang-Chi and this guy with a giant jade sword killing zombies. How can that so not like, be fun? Why not? Yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. A lot of magical elements to it. A lot of the martial arts stuff, too. Um, I'll be interested to see if the Iron Fist book – if the Iron Fist book moves beyond – I'm an angsty teenager with new powers and I need to come to terms with it. Sure. You know, I, I'm wondering what the story is after that, you know, cause like even the iron fist book, like the defining runs of the kind of modern era are, is the Matt fraction, David Aja run. And that is so far beyond the origin story, you know, in terms of what, what, what they did with the character there. So I'll be interested to see how, uh, the character of Lin Lee's Iron Fist kind of continues from there. I like Alyssa Wong a lot, though. I'm a big fan of her work, so um, I'm definitely going to stay here. Um, 
I also read two image books. Um, one is called Rockstar and Soft Boy. Uh, this was a one shot by Cena Grace, uh, who's I'm a huge Cena Grace fan. She's one of my favorite writers um, and artists, going all the way back to Little Depressed Boy. Um, so this is Cena Grace's first writing and drawing in almost five years. Um, Wow. writing and drawing he did write the Iceman series for marvel oh, yes, which was right. awesome yeah. i love that book um this book is about two best friends rockstar and soft boy and their antics in holly weird california <laughs> um there's like vampires and werewolves and like and like wiccan goddesses and it's That's super queer <laughs> too it's it's like the thing that i love about cena grace is like he is there's like no holds barred he is like he's like the main character is going to look like me and this book is going to be like sexy and and blunt and saucy and you're just gonna have to deal with it and i'm like kudos to you do your thing it's fun um Rock. So here's the setup. So Rockstar and Softboy are best friends. Um, Rockstar plans the greatest house party ever as a means of. It's funny because the solicit says lifting roommate Softboy's spirits, but really what it is is he's trying to get Softboy a hookup. Like he's oh. trying to get Softboy. You know, get a little yeah. sunstone action, if you will. <laughs> um, but things take a gnarly turn when they accidentally summon the party animal. That's um, awesome. Which is a literal. Yeah, it's so it's so funny. It's so funny, and the language is so like, it's so grotesque. Like some of these like puns and jokes that they make, but I just laughed so much. It's so fun, and what's really great. There's two things that I really loved about it. First, it says like created and conceived by Cena Grace except for the lettering which is by Russ Wooten and I was like I, that is such a funny joke and I love that and it just sets up the tone of the book and then at the end he's like he, he there's a great kind of note and and they say you know this was a book that I always dreamed of writing just like two best friends that did all the weird stuff that LA is all about but do so in a fun bright celebratory way you know and it's it's like i said it's super queer it's everything that cena has ever kind of written it's got superhero elements it's got magic elements it's got these pulpy elements to it the art is just he is top of his game here in terms of his cartooning style it's a wonderful i think it's like 50 or 60 pages beautiful one shot if you're in for just a weird fun super gay time read it it's it's Sounds really incredible. wonderful yeah um and, and then like on the total flip side of this i read the first issue of step by bloody step from size Burier and um matthias lopez probably matthews lopez i don't know um and matthias bergara so this was i didn't know this at the time but this is a completely text-free series hmm. it's a high fantasy um like double length chapters, high fantasy comic about this little child who is being carried around this dystopian hellscape with monsters and people hunting them. And she's, and they the child is being carried by like, it's not an iron giant, but it's basically an iron okay, giant. That's great. Um, there is a, there is a reveal at the end of the issue as to like, 
who's inside. Um, but it's basically like most of the 40 pages you're reading. It's just this giant black, like ro- robot looking knight who is carrying around this little child in their hands, fighting off demons and monsters and creatures of the night and all this crazy stuff. And I'm reading it and I'm like, there are no words. There's no narration. There's no words. There's no text. And then finally she, they do bring the child to like a village and they speak in symbols. So there's no, there's no recognizable language that you can decipher. It's all visual storytelling. And the art team, Bergara and Lopez, like their art is incredible. Like it has got, it's kind of got like the, it's got like the scratchiness of like a Scotty Young, but, but less like imagine like a Scotty Young or Jorge Corona, less cartoony though. And more like with a little bit of Capullo in there. Ooh. So like it's, it's very edgy, very dark, a lot of like angular lines, you know, it's a lot like, um, Oh, like a, like a Christine Larson too. Like, like, you know, and we've had her on the show, like her work on orcs kind of, it's got like that, like, and Valentine, like it's got those, like, like this heavy angst. I'm not describing it. It's, it's, it's really, really wonderful to look at, which is great because there's no text. So you're getting all of the storytelling just from the visuals. Um, it's really, really wonderful. It's four issues. Every issue is going to be double sized, no text, purely visual storytelling, high fantasy. Um, the concept is very straightforward. This knight is carrying this child. Let's see where they go. Um, I'm very much into it. So I'll definitely be sticking with that one. too. I'm just looking at the artwork. Um, it is incredible. It's everything you say it is. Yeah, 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 totally. Completely detailed um, wow. and yet still open. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And I was surprised because I was reading it and I was like, whoa, it's been a while. Like usually the silent issues are gimmicks, you know, and and we've we've gone down that route. We're like Marvel will do silent issues for a month. They haven't done it in a while. And I think they should do it again. But um, because I love I love me a silent issue. I love it so much. Um, So so when you have a full series dedicated to this, I am like totally totally into it you know who does this oh what's his name he did um he did a couple of one shots for uh image last year oh goodness what was his name um it was about it was about space it was about oh Jesse Lonergan. So Jesse Lonergan for Image did these two like oversized like sci-fi one shots, and it was the same thing. Very little text, all visual storytelling, all about layout and sequencing. And those were two of my favorite books from two years ago when they came out. Um, Jesse Lonergan, also check his work out. It's very very wonderful. Um, Anyway, last book I wanted to talk about just because you talked about it last week, Bob, and I want to make sure I get my voice in the, <laughs> in the mix too. I really liked Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Um, I I totally hear your points from last week. I totally get it. And I agree with you about my growing kind of like um, tiring of the Tom King model. 
um, especially in a month to month kind of reading cycle. I read the last five issues of Superwoman, uh, sorry, Superwoman, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, four, five, six, seven, eight. I read it back to back to back um, as opposed to month to month. I basically collected them all and read them. And um, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the, I liked Ruthie, the narrator. I liked the spacefaring. I hear you about the kind of treatment of the title character, Supergirl. But the last issue when Ruthie is like, I've learned, I've learned what it means to, to show mercy. I've learned what it means to be a hero. I've learned what it means to be the woman who stands up. Um, and doesn't slice the dude's throat well, just because vengeance is the thing to do. I think that there's something about that that I really liked. And I and and I, the thing that I will say is that last page where Ruthie is like, but in my book, I wrote that Supergirl killed him. I was like, I didn't need that. Like, I didn't need that last yeah. page where like that page was unnecessary. Um, but I, but I, I and the other thing that just like kept me going was like, Bilquis Everly's art is like another level. Like it's, yeah. it's a, it is something I have never seen Absolutely. before. Um, so yeah, no, but I hear all your points and, and I agree with many of them, but overall by the end of it, I, I found myself really glad that I had read it. You could obviously disagree, but I just wanted to make well, sure. Yeah, that I, I, look, it, it, it's, <laughs> hard, it's subjective and all those sort of things for me. What if this, instead of Supergirl who wants to be, drunk and brawling and what what if this is instead a, a power girl who might do all those things yeah you know i that's the thing too and i was trying to place like i was trying to place you know the other thing that i really liked about supergirl woman of tomorrow is you know i I love the Supergirl character. My introduction is obviously from the Melissa Benoist series. Not a bad way to know, start. Obviously. Of course. And and I uh, every time I've read Supergirl, it's it's always hard because it's the same thing with Superman too that like you want the character to to have these kind of moral quandaries and questions. And to some degree, I agree with your reading that I think that Tom King's Supergirl goes too far at points, like, like put like trying to go for that, like shock factor. Like, can you believe Supergirl is doing this? You know, I have not read the Tom King Superman red, blue and white or whatever the heck he's been doing for the last year or so. Um, But there were points when I was like, oh, come on, like this is this is a little much. But like I was saying at the end of the series, when you kind of see Supergirl like. I don't want to say like having that epiphany because I think she always had that goodness in her, but like being pushed to the limits of that and, and like, and they're just going planet to planet and seeing these butchers, like just destroying planet after planet of, of people. And you, and I think that what Tom King and, and, and Bill Cruz ever capture well is Supergirl's questioning of that, that, integrity and um never crossing the line necessarily but questioning i think they handled that well there are moments where i agree with you that like the kind of shock factor of it or the the kind of brutality of it was a little far for this book and for the character but that's why i'm glad it was a mini series and almost kind of one of these things that like it's not a black label book but i'm surprised it's it wasn't close. because yeah. it feels like that kind of 
tone. And there's that random issue, like six or seven, where they like do the flashback to her time on, um, to, to like the, the, her last days on Krypton. Mm-hmm. And, and you, and like, it's a iteration of the character where you, you understand her drive, you know? And it's funny. Cause I read that book right. Like after I had caught up with a bunch of Captain Marvel and I was like, this is the kind of like integrity driven, like driven, like just like tenacious, like female character. Like that's the thing I love about these characters, like the tenacity of them. When Supergirl is like with the kryptonite sun and she's like about to get eaten by a dinosaur and like, she's like, Oh, I can't believe Cal only lasted 45 minutes. I'm like, that's it. Like, that's what I wanted. Yeah, it was a great moment. Um, yeah. So th- I think there were some really great moments and, and that definitely carried me through. I will say, and I think you mentioned this too, that like, it was definitely hard to go month to month with this. Um, and I think that if I had like, like taken an afternoon and been like, let me just read one through eight, read it and be done with it. I think I would have felt a little bit different because I dropped off. Like I dropped mm. off around three or four and then I collected them to see. Um, so the fact that you were able to do it month to month is impressive. Oh, me. thank you. But <laughs> overall, I, overall, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and, but I am with you on, I think that, I think I'm done with month to month Tom King. Yeah, could be. And maybe that's that's yeah. the key to it. Read those things as lumps. For the in the midst of all this, because we, they were doing future state at mm-hmm. the very beginning of this, was read Marguerite Bennett's take, right? Which was so uplifting and powerful in a much different sort of way that struck me as yes, struck me as the Supergirl I remembered from the sixties and seventies, and certainly Peter's. Peter David's from though that's sure. not the same that's not Kara because they wouldn't let him they wouldn't allow him to write Kara. Mm-hmm. He wanted to bring her into the series and he left and they brought her back, <laughs> which he wasn't really happy. Well, with. that's the thing. Like I, it's it's the 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 thing that I agree with you on, and it's kind of implicit in what you're talking about is this should not be the only Supergirl book on the stands. Yeah, particularly as you mentioned Melissa and what she's doing, what she did on television. It's over now, but that was that was a perfect representation of the historical version of Supergirl. Yeah, so like, and this is how I feel about a not a lot of DC books, but like several of DC books. Like when when it was when um um uh Murder Falcon guy was doing uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, yeah. Yes, Daniel Warren Johnson was doing Wonder Woman. I was like, this is cool for what it is trying to do, but it should not be someone's like entry point to yeah, Wonder that Woman. Be, that you know? be bad. Like, yeah. Cause that because that book, similar to what we're talking about here with Supergirl, for so however cool and visually stunning it was, was a very specific version of Wonder Woman that in many ways was not the Wonder Woman that like you want to be reading month to month. You know, that was a very dark, very violent book. Um, nice side trip. Of course, of course. And that's how I felt about this book too, as someone who like, unfortunately hasn't really had the opportunity to read a regular Supergirl book. The Supergirl book that was the new 52, not the new 52, the, the rebirth book all of a sudden became Bizarro Supergirl for yeah. a long time. Um, and, and like lost a lot of that flair that it had started with. So like, it's hard when you have this book, that's really interesting, but there's some twists with the character 
and is a departure from what really should be the mainline book. Yeah. And again, having twist, having something interesting, new to say about a long-term character, as we mentioned Kelly Thompson before, there, there are other ways to do it than for a long-term reader overturning everything for the sake of shock. Sure. And again, I, I want Book with Everly to do a lot more things. I first discovered uh, Ms. Everly's art back on David F. Walker's Shaft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she killed on that book. And, and so I want to see more. Now you see this. And as you say, it's not only one level. It's about 12 levels into oh, yeah. into Russell Dowderman territory. This is an incredible oh, yeah. looking book. And uh, please, DC, Marvel, anybody more we want more yeah it's the same thing like with when you read like stephanie hans on um die uh, die you know like the world building the creature design like it is on another level um man we should have talked about bill Chris everly at the best of show yes uh yes (laughs) we should Uh, speaking of of art and great people uh did you get to read you you're talking about sin of grace the Archie Love and Heartbreak special? No, I have not. It's only writing. It's only not. writing, but it's a great Kevin Keller story. Oh, amazing! Cena Grace is one of my favorite writers and artists. Like I, I, you know, he bounces in and out of like the big two periodically, and he's always got stuff out in Image. But I also follow him on like Instagram and stuff, and he is so one hundred percent himself like he like he is like and i know it's taken him a long time to get to that point i i like i'm reading his work and seeing it evolve in its confidence and its voice um but he is at the point now where his work is starting to capture and reflect so much more confidence of his like sense of self and his his identity and like he's starting to infuse it into his characters and he actually talks about this in the back of the book where he's like i was I was always so petrified of writing stories about myself and the last few years have really kind of changed that for him. And I'm like, good on you. Good on you, Cena. That's great. Um, But yeah, Rockstar and Softboy was so fun. (laughs) I, the jokes were like, I, I laughed so hard. Can't have enough puns as Uh, far as I'm concerned. Can't have so much jump on the party animal. Yeah. I mean, please right away. That's killer. uh, That's killer. The party animal, like he pops out of the cauldron and he's like, who wants drugs? And it's like, oh God. Uh, because of co- of course, Softboy was like, no drugs at this party. Uh-huh. And Rockstar was like, I understand and I respect you. And then they accidentally summon the party animal and he's just like throwing ketamine lollipops at people. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, we have to stop this party animal. So then of course they become superheroes with magical powers and they fight the party animal. And it's like, what more else could you want from a no. book? <laughs> Now, this is a, uh, a one-shot? One shot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also a one-shot. So it's like you just enjoy yourself and you're done. Um, so I, 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 I wholeheartedly recommend that. But I'll definitely be sticking around with Iron Fist. Yeah, I'll I want to talk about some of that. Glad to hear Danny's still around. Not as a mentor because that gets into the whole other thing too. But sure, he's part sure. of the book and that history is not being ignored. But creating this new history, and as you say, from an, an – other world in essence literally from an other another country's perspective and their books leading mm-hmm. to this and Greg Pack who we all love yeah I was uh, you know it's funny because when they were like who's the new Iron Fist and things like that I was like are they gonna go like whole cloth here and just start over new 
so I was really excited to see that it, it at least has a bit of a, a character with a bit of backstory. Not a lot. You know, they didn't dig into the, the archives to like yeah. find someone from the 80s. There's some background like, characters in one panel of an old Iron Fist book. Yeah. So like there's – but it's a really interesting twist on it, right? Especially like the Iron Fist – punching is important but the premise here is that it hurts you know the pain of that 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 sword in his arm um is really cool but it also honors that storyline of his sword and the father and all of this really interesting stuff that if you read Swordmaster is there too so so it's a really interesting character like i said i'm interested to see i'm interested to see the legs on it i'm interested to see how far it goes um, if they are really committing to, to 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 building this character into the universe, I think Danny is there to serve as that kind of bridge and to, to help flesh out some of the mythology. But I'm really eager to see if this character is going to be able to get picked up like an Amadeus Cho or a Kamala Khan or somebody mm-hmm. like that. Um, or even any of the other kind of... Uh, uh, characters that have come out of that that New Agents of Atlas kind of era of Greg Pak's run, like Snow Snowbird and and um, no, not Snowbird, Snow Fox, Luna Fox, something yeah. like that. She's in Silk right now, you oh. know. So like it's, but that's the thing. Like all these characters are like bouncing into these other series. I'm I'm hoping that Lindley's Iron Fist gets picked up as well. When you look at some of the books of late, where they've decided seems three, four issues in, no, we're canceled. And all of a sudden the sales numbers start to come in. Yeah. So it, it, it's the way comics work. The, the poor guy in the store, guy or girl in the store ordering the books. Okay. One is this number two is now 60% under blah, blah, blah. You have to wait to see what's the buzz social media. What are the reviews like? What are the actual sales? What's getting, is everything coming off the shelf? We're selling through this. Let's keep going. And the way you're describing right. the series, based on the success of Shang-Chi, based on what Greg Puck did before, and it's Alyssa Wong, who's got a long track record at this point. This is a real shot. I think oh, we've got yeah. a real shot. Uh, she's got like 30 issues of Dr. Afra. Yeah. I have to catch up on that. I'm so excited about, um, but yeah, so it was a good it was a good week of reading comics. Oh, the other thing I didn't get a chance to talk about is the uh, um, the assembled documentaries oh, yeah. on Disney Plus. I'll just really quickly say they dropped Eternals assembled and Hawkeye assembled on the same day. It was like February twelfth or something, so about two weeks ago at this point. Uh, I cried watching them. They're so fun. You learn so much about how they make these shows, the commitment to the source material. We were talking about the blue screen sky captain stuff before the Eternals episode. Their whole thing was like, we shot as much of this outside of the studio as possible. And all of the people are like, we don't usually shoot like this anymore. Yeah. So it's really interesting to hear the the perspectives on everything. The Eternals one in particular, hearing Chloe Zhao talk about that movie makes me love that movie all the more. Um, it's that movie does its own thing and I respect it a thousand percent for it. Um, so yeah, if you haven't watched the assembled episodes on Disney plus, uh, recommend it. Okay. I have, I'll have to find a way to see those like to see both just rewatch <laughs> the last couple of Hawkeye episodes just I was in the mood and sure. watching the Clint Yelena stuff uh, and the Kate Yelena stuff too Kate Bishop oh, yeah. <laughs> stop yeah I uh I spent like last Wednesday or something I rewatched all of Falcon and the Winter Soldier nice. just for the hell of it 
I love that show. That show was great too. And and it's treatment of um, Isaiah Bradley. Yes. And oh, it's so, it's so good. We've got the young Avengers coming. They're out there. That's the hope. That's the hope. Uh, is someone knocking on the door here? Someone's ringing right. the bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's time. It's time. Woo. Okay. So Emily, my partner. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my roommate what's your what's your title um i i guess if we're being like really technical it would be fiance yeah i that would just think sounds, sounds kind of gross look if steve can bring <laughs> bronwyn on the show anytime he wants absolutely i'm pretty sure we could have you on here like i said we're shorthanded tonight and we wanted to do this saga survey that brian k vaughn included in the back of his book and i was like oh Actually, Bob was like, does Emily want to join us for the questionnaire? Aww. And I was like, she said no. But then I read some of the questions and I was like, yes, this <laughs> nice. is, I can do this. Now, Emily, I'm going to ask. I have questions right away because that's just all right. Me. Let's let's do Here it. We go. Have not you, scripted. Have, so you, I'm ready. have you ever seen the movie Adventures in Babysitting? I have not. Okay, because there's a line in there, this babysitter, it, it's Elizabeth Shue, is running through all the bad parts of Chicago, and they end up, they're running from gangsters, and they wander through a, a blues club, and no one leaves here without singing the blues. Well, yeah. on Talking Comics, no one gets to start without telling us their comic book origin story. Ooh, spicy. As someone who reads no comics, what okay. is your comic book orange? <laughs> well, well, as as in my current form, I do not keep up with the comics. That's true. Um, but I would say as a kid, there was a comic book shop in, in the town next to my town. And uh, my dad would take me and my sister there all the time. And we're big, um, we're a big universal horror family. Oh, so, so am I. Yes. So we would uh, go there a lot for the universal horror, more like action figure type of collectibles sure. and things like that. Um, but, you know, I'm a, I love a good Archie comic, a good uh, Casper. You we know, talk about those around those here. We just talked about yeah. Archie a couple of weeks back. Yep. Yeah. We love it. A friend of ours just wrote a lovely short story. Yes. And our, Archie, our good uh, friend, Stephanie amazing. Cook. Now, it sounds like your dad then is into this. So you're, you were sharing it with them. So you're generation and a half. You're not a generation rule. You're in there. You're hanging in with the Universal Cars yes. and his comics and all the rest. Yes, yes, definitely. That's our uh, very big in our household, in my in my yeah. childhood household. Your dad, we've been getting him the, what what are the comics that we've been buying him? You bought him the Dracula one. Oh yeah, I've been buying the him like the like the the autobiography. Oh, that was awesome! I, yeah. yeah, yes, yeah, and the uh, not the not Cheney one from the year before. Lon the, Cheney I bought him the I bought him the Lon Cheney one, and mm -hmm. I bought him the Bela Lugosi Dracula one, which you really loved. Yeah. yeah, we've been your sister's been buying him the collectible like horror comics. No, the Rod Sterling. Oh, comics. that was a no. that was a Am yeah. He, they did a biography of him too. In that same yeah. sort of format. It's all in that genre. Yeah, it's yeah. something like Dark Horse was just doing these reprints that he was collecting. They were like weird tales or something like that. I can't remember, but he's but he's a big collector. Yeah, he collects many things from many different genres of life, mm. but that's one of his one of his uh go-tos. So that has very much rubbed off on me and my uh, sister. So now if yeah. you were picking if each of you were picking, what would be your favorite universal horror? Uh, monster or movie? Movie. 
All right. I don't know how technical we want to be because no. I don't think it's really universal horror, but Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. It is. It is. It is it definitely is a universal. Of all time. It is. It is in my top ten of all time. Yes. It is the best. And I've introduced that yeah. movie to people recently, and even the kids love it. And they'll say, you know, it's much scarier than those gray movies. The the the, the gray movies oh. are much scarier than the color ones. But it's the real Universal monsters. It's, it's so Lon Chaney Jr. and Bela Lugosi. Oh, yeah. I made Joey watch it when we first started dating. I was like, this is a prerequisite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she made me watch a bunch. I watched. He hasn't uh, seen many. I haven't. Yeah. You got your your family got me all the blue them on Blu-ray. Uh, I haven't made my way through many of them yet, but. Uh, you, I, what was the other movie you made me watch? Uh, they, them, them, the giant ants from yeah, 1954. Yeah, I made him watch that. That one. was when that's we were recording. That's not. That's not Universal Horror. No, that's not, it's Warner that. Brothers. Yeah, and yeah. that was gonna be in 3D. Mm. I would have accepted. They shot. Well, I saw. I saw the creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D. Oh, that's at, a good one. Um, at uh, oh, now I don't remember the name of the theater, but it's the theater where they shot the Blob, the original Blob. Oh, in, in, in Pennsylvania. Yes, so we go to Blobfest. Oh, in Downingtown. Look at you. Yeah, so we went there one year, and um, they were showing the creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D, and the guy who played the creature was there. Wow. The land creature or the the water creature? Because they're two different actors. I'm pretty sure the water creature, because the photo that he's in is in the thing. Yes, it was Riku Browning. Oh, that's incredible. How lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that was my summers uh, <laughs> growing up. <laughs> so you fit right in here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Emily. Anytime. Yeah. And, and every time I'm like, hey, you want to read this comic? She's like, nah. I'm just slowly getting back into reading <laughs> for pleasure. So maybe one day. We have plenty in the house. Yeah. We do have. We, yes, I yes, there is on, plenty. On the, on the classic horror thing, you might want to dive into the Dynamite Elvira books by David Avalon. Mm-hmm. We'll the, add the, it to the, the list. The one they're doing right now is Elvira meets Vincent Price, who's dead, but it doesn't Ooh, stop right. him from guest starring in the book. Of course. Absolutely not. <laughs> you, he will I've, never die. I've no. mentioned you a few times on the show recently because of the Spider-Man movie. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I really loved the Spider-Man yeah. movie. You were my touch point because I was like, if someone who cares maybe 3% about the Marvel Cinematic That's, Universe. I would say it's more than three, but it's less than 10. Yeah. <laughs> if, someone who's, if someone who's at that at that, at that level- It was will, the best movie I've ever exactly seen. Exactly. Wow. That about Spider-Man No Way Home, then, or, then- We said, we said after we saw it, like it was a movie that was like 15 years in the making uh-huh. and like cinema as a concept was created so this movie could happen just like abbott costello versus yes yes it's all about all about the collabs like abbott costello versus anybody doesn't work if you didn't watch abbott costello and the universal horror movies right Mm -hmm. same thing with spider-man no way home yeah yeah but because you could watch that movie and understand both immediately and that is called very very good synergy Cinema synergy. Cinema Ooh, synergy. Yeah, that should be a podcast. Next, I was going to say that's your next yeah big company or whatever. But we straight up got through Guardians of the Galaxy, and you were like, "Can no, we thanks. just skip ahead?" <laughs> she was like, "Can we just skip ahead to the big ones?" Uh, I didn't need it. I didn't need it. Yeah, I understand. I understand. It's fine. 
Um, someday I will make you watch Captain Marvel, though, because oh, you should. I accept that one. I'll accept that one. I love that one. The newer ones, I think I'll I'll jump more into. But that whole middle section, I didn't. I don't need. Yeah, when I was like, "You ready for Ultron?" She was like, "No." no. <laughs> Ant Man. Yeah, Ant Man is really the one that got me. Ant Man is fun. I know it's fun. <laughs> I just three percent. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, all right, so you're here joining us because in the back of one of Bob's comics this week, Saga 56, Brian K. Vaughn included a lovely survey that he wants readers to respond to uh, in Saga. Um, now, he says in the book that like you should email him or send the responses. We're not going to do that. We're going to do it live on the show here tonight. And then you send him your show. Yeah, we'll send that's him what we're going to do. We should send yeah. him yeah. the link. Yeah, so that's know. what we'll do. Um, so for those that don't read Saga, basically in the back of of the issue were all these questions so we were like these are really fun questions so we're gonna do the questionnaire together here on the show some of them are comics related others i think are just like deep personal questions that will kind of open people up to our personalities um and then we'll wrap things up and get out of here i have a question though joey before Uh the questions it's in the physical book is it in the digital version it is. Okay, That's where good. I read it. Okay, yeah, good. As you, will, as you will find out when we get to question number 17 on the list, <laughs> I exclusively read books digitally now. So, um, you, uh, so yeah, I read it digitally. Okay. And, yeah, the questions were in there 100%. Good. All right. So this is the Saga questionnaire, which when I Googled, there is actually a Saga questionnaire, which is the self-assessment goal achievement questionnaire. <laughs> that is not what we're doing here. Is this tonight. like what disc theory doing? from Dr. Marston? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It was something for Pfizer. And I was like, that's not what I'm looking for. No. Um, so instead, I went into the book and I wrote down all the questions. So we'll go through them. Some of them are quick. Some of them might we might elaborate on a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, the first question here. And we'll put it to to Emily first as our guest is question one. Do you love your job? This is a, uh, a complicated one for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I'm going to lock in my answer as I love the concept of my job. Okay. For the people at home, what is the general concept? Oh, I, I am a uh, performing and visual, visual arts administrator. So I help, uh, our school, um, implement all of their performing visual arts initiatives and education programming. That doesn't sound like a good concept. Yeah. That doesn't sound like that a good concept. That does. Oh, sound yeah. Like no, it's a great concept. I, I thoroughly enjoy many aspects of it. Bob, do you love your job? Uh, nope. But here's the thing for the That's first right. 40 years of my working life, I managed record stores and video stores and made people happy and got to chat about stuff I love all day long. And people still remember what I used to do for a living. So, so for the last five or six years, nah, before that thrilled, thrilled to go to work every day. That's cool as fuck, Bob. Whoa, <laughs> I love that. F- yeah. the <laughs> F-bomb right That's out. That's so fun. <laughs> you said I could curse. Can I not yes, curse? Yes, you can. No, yeah, you my can. goodness. <laughs> Egads. Are you, gonna, yeah. you have to ask me the question. Oh, uh, Joey, uh, do you love your job? I do. Loser. <laughs> well, you know, it's like everyone says, like teaching is like, if, you, if you're if you in it, you you better yeah. enjoy it. And I, I really do. Um, Even through COVID? It's been hard. It's, it's not hard. I, it's not not hard. I'll give you that. Like, it's a really tough job to do. Um, but it's what I've always wanted to do. And I thoroughly love doing it. Cool. Um, we'll see how much longer I can do it. 
because I, I do feel more tired now than I have in my entire career. But I definitely love doing it. Mm-hmm. Teacher's assistant you need. Yeah. See. Oh, you want to be my TA? <laughs> I don't think I have the qualifications. Though, if you would yeah. ask me when I was 14 what I want to be for a, a job, it would have been a teacher. Yeah. You, you've, you and I have talked about yeah. that. Um, all right. Question number two. Number two. How many push-ups can you do? Is it is it same order? Yeah, let's go oh, same order. Oh, 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 oh no. Okay. Um I can do approximately ten tricep push-ups <laughs> in three sets if I take a little baby break between the sets. <laughs> Very nice. Very specific. Um Bob, how many no, I, I thought I could do ten. I actually tried. I could do six, <laughs> four of which were kind of good, two were just ridiculously bad. That counts. That counts. That counts. Joey, that counts. how about you? You know, back in my back back at back in my peak peak uh, peak days, I could probably do like twenty to thirty straight. I would argue the question means right now. Oh, you, yeah. the question means. Yeah. Right now? Uh, I would say probably, I would say probably ten to fifteen without taking a little break. That's awesome. And then I could probably do a few more. There was times like when I was, remember when I was doing those like obstacle course runs, like we had to bang out like 40 to 50 push-ups. You were doing very inhumane things. Yeah. Those workouts, yeah. Um, but then, and we'll get to this question a little bit later too, a certain, certain pandemic rolled through mm. and uh, really, she? really, really took me out there. Um, okay. That was good though. Now the people know. Uh, question number three. What are your pronouns, Emily? Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Bob? Well, I, I hear the word pronoun, and I think of Chuck Jones and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and pronoun trouble, but it's it's he, him. Nice, nice. I am also he, him. Uh, question four, did that last question bother you? Not at all. Nope. Bob? Nope. Yep, me neither. Me neither. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Talking <laughs> comics. Pretty, pretty uh, easy. Question five. This is going to be fun for you, Emily. Uh, We won't start with you on this one. Other than this was the literally the wording from (laughs) the saga issue. So, again, I'll I'll put this to to Mr. Vaughn here. Other than the incomparable Fiona Staples, which, to be fair, she is one of the best. um, Who is your favorite comic artist, Bob? Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. That's a good answer. Um, I'm going to go my favorite. Oh, my favorite. Yeah, that's tougher. You can't just, we can't yeah, just make a list. One. Yeah. You got to pick one. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Chris Samney. Nice. These are all people I know so well. Great choices. Great choices. There's actually that list should be like 10 names deep, but Chris Samney, I think, is someone who if if, if his name's on a book, I'll read it. Um, do you have an answer to this? Um, my, I have a question uh-huh. before I answer. Is there a difference between a comic and a graphic novel? I mean, as a, in terms of like format yes but in terms of the form they're no. both comics okay well uh the most recent graphic novel i've read was alison bechdel's fun home so i'm gonna oh. I'll throw her in and big, she is big the fans. name i can name nominated this past year for her yeah. recent work oh you should read her new one i'll read anything yeah. she does i love her but also you know I always it, mangle the in title. musical form i'll say it the new the title is secret, of, <laughs> the title, secret to hum, superhuman strength yeah, the secret to superhuman strength. It's about uh, she talks about um, 
her history with exercise. Oh, okay. And how it's like a way for her to have a sense of her body, but like her own kind of like discomfort with her body. Mm. So speaking of body, uh-huh. uh, what's the, who's Raina? Raina Talgemeier. Yeah, yes. I like her. I, I read her too. Oh, Raina Talgemeier is a wonderful human being. So the, those are the two I know, and it's so all you know. If you like Raina, you should read uh, some of uh, friend of the pods, Kristen Gudsnuts. I work. feel like the more the more I'm on this, the longer my reading list is That's getting. A, yeah. You want to you want to read Making Friends, all three volumes. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Bob's first recommendation, though. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and dip my toe back into the Universal Horror Pool. Yeah, 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 that's good. Um, all right, question six: What do you smell like? I'll tell you right now that I smell uh, I smell a little I smell like a little like a like a like a flat musky kind of bo. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll confirm that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think you smell a little bit better than you're you're letting on. I feel I feel, feel that. I feel a little sweaty, yeah. and when I sweat too much, especially at this point in the day, it's also hot room. Yeah. Yeah. I I could tell that I smell like it's it just smells like like a little musky. You don't smell as fresh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's that's what I'll give the listeners yeah, at home. Okay, okay. There. Not fresh. Um, yeah, Bob. What, what what do you smell like? Well, here's the thing: as Joey and I talked off the air, I've been in a water emergency where the water main broke, so I've been oh, boiling water on the stove to sort of take what my father used to refer to as "whore's baths" out of the sink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, not not you know, there, there's that. But if I was just going to answer in a flippant way, if, what do you smell like? I don't know, teen spirit. I would have said, but that would have been hey. a good joke. Mm. But. Um, yeah, it, it's not good around the old homestead, but my water's back on today, and I can actually, you know, go afterwards, and I think I'll just flop into the bathtub. That's good. <laughs> so I'll just go uh, not yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Same, dude. Emily, what um, do you smell like? <laughs> Joey will back me up on this, but uh, I, I do not smell ever, and Ooh. it freaks him out. Yeah. It's like a robot thing. I will. I'm not upset about it. I am very happy that this is a trait I have, but yeah. I uh, I do not normally smell. It's bizarre. Ooh. Like she sweats, and I'll be like, yeah. but you don't. You don't have an odor. Yeah. Wow. It's really weird. But the other thing is, like, she hates robots. So part of me is like, are you? A I'm robot? not a robot. Maybe I am. Yes. Maybe I am, but I don't know it, and I'm just like. Are super you, self-deprecating. Are you Truman showing me with like robots here? As far as I know, I'm not a robot. Okay, that's good to know. Okay. Well, there's an old movie from the 60s that was actually Andy Warhol's favorite film. It's called Creation of the Humanoids. It's after the nuclear exchanges and there are robots and they're called clickers because the humans don't like this whole idea of, of, of robots infiltrating our society. And it gets to people who they hate robots and hate themselves and... Shock endings. Also, that's you. Say. Yeah, that that sounds like me. You're a clicker. <laughs> You're a clicker. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Question seven: Who is the best bald fictional character who is not a villain? Oh man, Bob. Who, Bob, who do you got for this? Well, uh, I, I'm going to have to say two because the first one may not count because there's no way he could have hair, and that's Ben Grimm, the thing. You know what? I knew you were going to say Ben Grimm, and I allow it. Okay, he's my favorite. <laughs> fictional character of all time in any medium and he also has no hair he also has no i would have said john jones otherwise if he was disallowed also also a viable candidate i think okay how about you then joey i was gonna say lex luther no i'm just kidding because he's not a villain you know he's i totally agree with his entire idea luther was right 
<laughs> Luther was right. Um, my, I mean, Patrick, I almost said Patrick Stewart. It's not Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Professor Xavier is a villain, so we're not going to go down that <laughs> road. Um, my answer actually is Keith Mars from the Veronica Mars <laughs> show, uh, because I think that he is a wonderful character, a great dad, and uh, wonderfully played by Enrique Coriolani. Okay. Um, so that's my answer to that one. Do you have a bald character who's not a villain? Uh, well, me and Joey kind of prepped this question beforehand, but then I did further research while he was pre-podcasting. Okay. And uh, I, I think I'm going to lock in Aang from Avatar and the Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. He can be a tad annoying, but, you know, he does save, like, literally the entire world. Yeah. So. Spoilers for that prep. Emily had, like, a list that was five characters deep of Danny DeVito Just roles. Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> um, Specifically uh, Phil and Hercules. It's funny because, like, we were like, oh, what about George Costanza? And then Emily goes, no, he's the villain he of that show. Oh, he's yeah. Villain. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> um, question eight. Here's a, qu- a quick one. Ketchup, yay or nay? Nay. Emily says nay. Whoa. Bob? Yay. I'm going to be a may. That's not a Yay or nay. All right. I'm going to go nay because I like to put mustard on things instead. Mm. French fries? In- including French fries. Okay. Which might be sacrilegious, but I like the flavor. No, I, li- I like some uh, some fancy mayo with fries. Yeah. Get some of that going on. I'll do fancy mayo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also learned that mustard has zero calories, Oh, which blows my mind. So what does it have? Vinegar. Um, Question nine. Question nine. Question nine. Hopefully also a quick one. We shall see. Have you ever killed someone, Emily? That's a no. It's a no from you? It's a no from me, dog. Bob? Only with insults. Oh, that's good. I was going to say something witty like that. Yes. yes. Good job, Bob. Up. Good job. Keep up. Uh, I also don't believe I've ever killed someone. I believe. Uh, question number 10. Oh, I was going to extrapolate was... for a second. <laughs> Go ahead. Extrapolate. extrapolate. Uh, I, there are too many old things in my head. Uh, we, again, we went to the Algonquin and I was part of reading all those people and watched too many Marx Brothers movies. And so I was working one day with my uh, assistant manager at the video store and wonderful, wonderful young woman. As we're walking out of the back room, she sort of steps aside and puts her hand out and says, age before beauty. In my head was something Dorothy Parker said to some actress as they walked into the Algonquin, pearls before swine, and I just walked through the door. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. And and you and you killed her. I killed her. I killed her right there. So yeah. she, she just laid down. She just basically didn't know what to say in so. the middle of Midtown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, number ten. Me. I'm sorry. I, question I, number ten. I question number ten. I know the answer to because my birthday was also a big release date that is very important to us on the show. Question ten is: What was the number one movie in America on the day you were born? I know this answer because I was born on Batman '89 release day. Nice. So Michael Keaton's Batman, I know, was the number one movie on the day that I was born. Um. Bob, what was the number one movie in America on the day you were born? John Ford's The Searchers, starring John Wayne. Nice. So released on my birthday, and I didn't know this for years, is one of my favorite crappy old monster movies, The Indestructible Man, starring Lon Chaney Jr. Ooh, good one. That's a fun one. 
Uh, Emily, what was the number one movie in America on the day you were born? We did look this up, and I'm really excited. It's Casper, the really? ghost. <laughs> I'll have to watch just that like comics. Yeah, yes. just like the comics. Is 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 it Christina Ricci? Yes, it is, and, and Bill Pullman. Oh yes, classic. That's a good one. Yes, yeah. very indicative. I think. I think. I think it reflects that all of my our, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, question number 11, who's the most famous person you've ever touched? I don't know if I, this is, I don't like touching touched people. Touched was a weird touch yes, addition is. to this yeah. question. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't like being touched or touching people. So I really have to mm-hmm. think about this one. Well, especially in COVID, especially in COVID. Yeah. you're very yeah. conscious of it now. Um, Emily, who's the most famous person you've ever touched? Um, I, in thinking about it, I think. The most famous person I've touched is Matthew Broderick. Wow. I, I put a wristband on his wrist and he was so unbelievably kind to me and let me give the stupid spiel about like he's in the VIP area, which he knew. Obviously, he knows he's <laughs> Matthew Broderick. He knew he was in the VIP area, but he let me talk for, you know, 30 seconds and said thanks. Oh, and uh, he was a lovely human. Was that at a? That was at an award show. Nice, yeah. Nice. Um, Bob, who's the most famous person you've ever touched? Um, it's tough for me because th- th- there are two people. They're both really famous in their own worlds. One may be more famous than the other now. but um, So it's either Levi Stubbs of the Four Tops and the rest of those guys or mm. S- or Stan Lee. Oh, oh come, on. come on. That's it. I don't, I don't even, like, when I even meet famous we, oh, people. We didn't even hear the story of how they touched. Oh, okay, yeah. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, Gotta respect the player. Okay, well, with the guys in the Four Tops, I had been a fan of their music, and most people don't know they recorded for 10 years before they got to have hit records, and they were, I went backstage here locally at Westbury Music Fair with actually copies of the old records, and said, hey, I bet you haven't seen these in a while to the other fellow in the, in the group abdul duke fakir and he went no we haven't and he he took them put them under his coat and turned to walk away and he went no just kidding can you get those for me he asked me and i went yeah and so sitting i'm sitting at my kitchen table there's a handwritten letter from him on my wall that thank you so much for getting those and taping those for me and i owe you one i never paid for a concert again Got to meet them, hang out backstage constantly with those, those four fellas. Abdul, That's so cool. Duke Fakir is the only guy who's left. The, the others have passed. It was the same four guys from 1954 until 1997 when somebody passed away. Lawrence Payton died. Wow. Um, I'm going now. They, they were inducted into the Rock Roll Hall of Fame some years ago, and I'm sure it's been changed since, but I wrote their discography. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there was that. Stan, I met at a local comic book convention. I had missed him the year before because I didn't have the book in front of me because I didn't want to get it wrecked. And I left a a, a talk he was giving to get online. I was the third person online. And I walked up to him with, Joey knows this, walked up with my copy of Fantastic Four number one, which I had Jack Kirby sign the year or so before. And Stan just went kind of nuts. That's great. It's, he was so Stan. That's the first issue. And it's great you had Jack sign it first because he, he's the king of commas. He's the best partner anyone could ever have. And he hovers over my book and says, you know, I hope I don't rip this. I went, yeah, me too, Stan. 
<laughs> and we're not. Oh, no, just funny. kidding. Just kidding. Come over here and talk to me. And he sent me behind his table for like five minutes while he asked me questions. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's a special experience and probably like a million dollar book you have now. So. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's, it's not in very good. Sh- little, it's not in very yeah, good it's, shape. But it's it's, it's it's worth some it's worth some it's worth some bucks. But it's that's the book they'll they'll be burned up with me when they fry me one of these. Oh, days. ten thousand percent. No one can ever have it. I agree with <laughs> yeah. you. As a, as a collector's daughter, I understand. There you that go. Is for no one else. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't I don't usually like touching people, and when I do meet people, I don't I don't touch them because I I can't imagine that I would want to be touched. A lot of the famous people I've met were at the cons, so I'm not gonna run those folks down. Um, I've met Bill Finn, which is like for us musical theater nerds. And I had a great yeah. conversation with him at some random theater in Massachusetts. Was there skin to skin? Yeah, concept? I shook, I shook hands with him. There you I, go. Was like, I, I was like, I've directed a couple of your shows and I, I listed them off for him. And he was like, I love those. And we chatted for a while. Perfect. I met Jason Tam, who's one of my favorite actors. Oh, wow. Touched him. Yeah, shook his hand. Weird. I don't like touch. The touch is touch. weird. Yeah. A lot of the famous people I've met have been like theater related or mm-hmm. comics related. Mm-hmm. Not anything. Yeah. Uh, not anything beyond that. Cool I ran into Kevin Bacon in a bathroom at a theater, movie theater. And, um, I didn't know that. Wow. He was walking out as I was walking he in. Kevin. So you're I one degree of Kevin Bacon. It's that funny. beats me. Well, yeah. I, no, I, I, was like, I didn't like meet him. Like I didn't have a conversation with you him. You were in the room. We were, we, he was leaving the bathroom as I was leaving. I was entering and I knew he was there because I had just seen Kira Sedgwick walk out. Oh. Out of the bathroom, Where the heck like were you? I saw her walking in the lot. I was at the Landmark Sunshine on uh, Houston Street in you New York. Seen a movie? Yeah, I went to go see. Um, was it a premiere? No, it was um, in a world. It was so this. Uh, oh, the Lake Bell movie. I love that movie. Yeah, the yeah. Lake Bell movie. Yeah. If I'm a movie, if I'm a movie star, but I live in New York, I'm just gonna go to movies. Th- but movie two theaters. were there. That I feel like that. There, there, there are a couple. Oh, yeah, this makes more sense. Okay, to me. No. all right. Okay. I'm not informed. All right. Question twelve. <laughs> Do you believe in angels, Emily? Yes. Bob? Well, the Los Angeles Angels from the American League Baseball, yeah, but otherwise, no. <laughs> mm. I'm also a no, but I do do the angels in the outfield, like, crowd cheer. Mm. I believe, and you do your wings like this <laughs> oh, from the 90s. Yeah. I do that at sporting events because I don't take them seriously. Okay. Uh, <laughs> question 13. Emily, This I'm going to ask you this question first. You is better have the right podcast? answer. <laughs> is there a podcast you think everyone should be listening to? I was not coached on this answer at all, and I know it has to be Talking Comics. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Very good. Are there any other podcasts that you think that our listeners should listen to? Um, the one that came to mind, which I actually haven't listened to in a while, but has brought me so much joy, is Off Book, <laughs> which is a uh, musical improvised podcast. Ooh. So it, it's two people and their special guest and they just m- literally make up a musical as they go. And I think that it's sounds really incredible. Wonderful. That's yeah. awesome. Um, Bob, is there a podcast that you think uh, uh, everyone should be listening to? Sure. The caper cast by Whitney Garner and Stephanie cook. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew you were going to guessed it on last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about uh, cinematic heists and capers and such as that. So if you're into those sort of movies, that's the place to be. Nice. Um, I will second Capercast. Obviously, Progressively Horrified is wonderful, too. These are all the shows that our friends are on. (laughs) Um, I also love the Marvel Voices podcast. Um, There's a podcast I listen to called They Call Us Bruce, which is two uh, Asian-American kind of comedians and theorists talking about stuff. Um, I listen to Code Switch. 
Um, I listen to This American Life, obviously. Radio Lab. My favorite, though, from NPR okay, is. I think um, the question was one. Oh, God. <laughs> is I love on the media. We all listen to podcasts, Joe. Okay, we all right, Jesus. Never mind. Question 14. What <laughs> did you lose during the pandemic? Emily, what did you lose during the pandemic? Um, my sanity. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, like something more tangible. No, that's fine. You could be uh, your sanity. I, I would say, you know, like my mid twenties, <laughs> which uh, is arguably like some of the most fun times of your life. I mean, very luckily, I had you, and I have a very good, oh. solid group of friends and family. So. I, I think I was doing okay in that aspect, but uh, I, I would have liked to like travel during this time of my life, mm-hmm. and I feel like I, I missed out on two solid years of doing that. Cool. Uh, not cool. It sucks. Yeah, yeah it's, it is what it is. Um, Bob, what did you well, lose during the pandemic? I think it is kind of like that. It's the sense of continuity of, of life and the universe and the people around you, so fractured during that time. Mm-hmm. Try to get it back. Yeah, we do, we do these podcasts. We do phone calls, and you try to stay together but it was it was tough very tough yeah i'm glad that we kept doing it kept doing the show because there was because there were no new comics for a while um but that that i think would have been a really big Mm. loss to not even have like this going every week amen um yeah no i agree i think the biggest loss was a lot of like we do a lot of theater stuff and like a lot of those like outlets that we had to like experience art and experience life and experience community. That was a, that was a big thing. Yeah. We, we made it up like the digital stuff and these kinds of conversations and all the zoom hangouts and things like that. But that was definitely something that we're even just like getting back into now has been a bit challenging. Um, What did you gain during the pandemic? Back other to, than other than twenty pounds, yeah, I was just going to say fifteen <laughs> or twenty pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, what did you gain, Emily? Like, I, like I said in the the other question, I think I have a very solid group of friends in many different areas of my life, and something that we picked up during the pandemic was a uh, trivia every Friday, mm-hmm. and I think that that was something that really not only like raised our spirits, but it was also just a chance to see friends from school, from college specifically that like we don't normally get to see. So I actually think I saw them more Mm. during the pandemic than in a non pandemic year, just because we'd only get together for a few occasions, but I was seeing them every Friday and catching up with them. And I think that that was really, really something special. That was fun. You know, we host a geek trivia here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Bob and I go back Please and forth as to <laughs> Joey, you're the top. king. You're oh, the king. <laughs> I'm in there pitching, am, but you're you're the you're the champ. I am pretty good at trivia. Um, Bob, what did you gain during the pandemic? Well, I agree with Emily. It's a it was a I had a much greater appreciation for the friends who we could stay close to that made sure to reach out and you reach out to them and it it became something that well my phone bill uh hurt for it but you know <laughs> that you could spend an hour or something on the phone with somebody or do a a, a zoom call or a skype call with, with somebody from uh, other countries and other places just just to make sure everyone touched in with everybody and that's that's yeah. something special great appreciation for friends emily you hit that right on the head mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I totally agree with all of that too i also gained a, a new roommate that's you. It's me. Yeah, yeah. We did. We did start living did together. Um, but no, yeah. I think it's exactly what you said. That, that appreciation, um, I think, is for real. 
But also just like, again, as I was saying with question 14 is uh, this like this, like what we do every week here, you know, and, and the when we did 500 and those phone calls came in mm. from the listeners wow. and they were like, the fact that you guys kept doing the show, like, you know, especially pre pandemic, it, it feels routine, right? It feels like we were doing this a lot, but then I think the pandemic in some ways pushed us to kind of reevaluate and find the things that really worked. And we brought on Aaron and we brought on John mm-hmm. and like the shows kind of really transformed coming out of the pandemic or towards, I don't know who knows what the plan is moving forward, but I feel like the show is very different even from before the pandemic into now. So that, that I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched like 90 movies last year. So, um, <laughs> watched like 90 movies on a Sunday. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, question 16. Are you a fairly accurate representation of your astrological sign? I, 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 I don't know. I know I'm like a cusp. So like I'm Gemini cancer. Gemini is like your two, you got two personalities, right? Cause there's mm-hmm. twins or something. And then cancer is just irritable, which I guess I, I'm kind of both of those cancers. There are many good cancer traits. I'm loyal, protective, intuitive, and caring. And I'm also overly sensitive, moody, and this is accurate. Actually, I actually accurate. would say this is not accurate. Really? You don't think I'm moody? <laughs> I don't think you're moody at all. You don't think I'm sensitive? I do think you're very sensitive, but Thank I don't you. think you're definitely not vindictive or moody. Do you think you're I'm loyal? very loyal. I think you're also very protective. I think you're intuitive and caring. Actually. So yeah, it is, it is accurate. Yeah. It is accurate. Yeah. You are probably the least moody and vindictive person. I'm not vindictive. Met. I'm not vindictive. You're not moody either. I could be moody. Uh, if I'm like hungry or tired. I wouldn't say that's moody. I would but just say that's hungry like, or tired. I need I need something. Yeah. yeah right, <laughs> I need okay. a basic trait of humanity. I understand. Yeah. Um, Bob, are you your uh, astrological sign? I'm an Aries, which reads out as bold, ambitious, Ambitious, cheerful, impulsive, upbeat, positive, hot-tempered. Well, the answer is no to all those things. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Some of your lightning rounds can be pretty saucy. Okay. (laughs) I don't know you, Bob, but I think you're delightful. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. (laughs) What about you? Do you think you're an accurate representation? Um, I, I am a Gemini. And it says that I am flexible, extroverted, and clever, and that also indecisive, impulsive, and unreliable. Oh no! Uh, so I don't know no, how you can be. I don't know how you can be flexible and indecisive. I think I'm very indecisive. Yeah, I think you're also nosy. Oh, interesting. That does. I did not say that. Yeah. Um, you're clever. I'm definitely not unreliable. No, I'm that a very is reliable not true. human. Uh, but yeah. So it seems like I'm accurate, and y'all are just like I don't eh, know what this I'm is. Drifting. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I mean, look, I share, I share a birthday, no, not the exact date, but a birthday with Gloria Steinem. Please, come on. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> the most ambitious lady to come around in the last half century or so, yeah, and me. No, sorry. doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, question 17, and this I've already alluded to this, and I've talked about it many times, so I'll do it very quickly. How is your local comic shop doing? Well, I've talked about this a lot. Actually, no, I have an update. FJB Comics, which was my comic book shop here in Jersey City, uh, referenced visually directly in Ms. Marvel, yes. the G. Willow Wilson comic from 2014 or whatever. Um, 
uh, I remember when the nightly news, ABC News, had their van outside of FJB Comics to interview Floyd about uh, Miss Marvel number one. It was incredible. I was there that night. It was a fantastic evening. They unfortunately closed down probably four years ago at this point. Very sad. I've been digital ever since, which has been a whole thing. And with the recent Amazon Comicsology stuff, which we won't get into now, has been even more of a thing. Uh, but I have an update. Floyd just opened up a new collector's comic shop Ooh. in, I think, Lawrenceville, like out oh, in, in New far Jersey from a little bit. So it's like 40, 40 minutes, minutes away. Yeah. So it's like I, I, if I'm ever down there, I'll stop by. Go. I'll go. We'll but uh, no, in terms of local local comic book shop here, it's it's Just been Midtown uh, Comics. I feel like sure. Uh, yeah. Like when, when I have to go get a comic, I'll go into the city and go right. to either Forbidden Planet or um, Midtown. Midtown. Which is like whatever, you know, it doesn't have that same like yeah, local flair. Um, did you have a, you said you had a. We had one um, in the town over from where I grew up, but that one closed even when I was a youth. And uh, I would say the one we went to after that was in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. And that one just recently closed oh. within the month. Uh, so sad. that was also really sad. But m- once again, uh, my, my dad went there and he. Uh, cleaned up a little bit so <laughs> he was like, Give me a yeah. <laughs> so yeah um yeah. bob you have like three or four local yeah. shops that you frequent right. some are some are doing better than others the ones that I, i'm not naming names the ones that i i, I share well the, <laughs> the the ones that have adapted to a changing marketplace who've tried to be more diverse and to do crazy things we've talked about escape pod comics up in huntington where definitely he's as much a bookstore as he is a comic store, whole kid section, manga. Again, I could buy that Bill Lugosi thing off his shelf. He had it in stock. That's kind mm-hmm. of story is. Androids Comics here in Sayville. Again, trying to be a little bit of everything. Lots of superheroes, yes, but lots of stuff for kids, indies, and, and crazy indies, and that's that sort of works. Some of the more mainstream stores... As things are changing, they're, they're having to adapt, and some are doing slightly better than others. But everyone's everyone on the island is still hanging in. They're still they're opening new stores. I think there were three new stores in the last year have opened on Long Island. Really? Yeah. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a new, new comic book shop. Open. Yeah. Yeah. Typically, the record stores. Yeah, but I guess on the island, it's a little bit of a different kind of market and demo than out here. We are we are Maybe. we are very scattered in our tastes and opinions and things out here. I'll just leave it at that. And if if you can find your niche, if you've got a a customer base for what it is you're doing, you can do nothing but sell superhero books and still be in business. Sure. Sure. So you you just gotta, you gotta know your marketplace, but it it is rent here is insane. Yeah. Mm. That's, I think that's the (laughs) other reason why a lot of shops in, in our area, like Jersey city and New Jersey shut down just because the rent is, is madness. Rent is too damn high. Who ran for governor of New York? What was that? What was his party? The rent is too damn high party. I can't remember somebody or other. Right. Yeah. I remember his beard and I remember his slogan. Um, uh, question number 18. Are you happy? Emily, are you happy? Are we just doing a, a a yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy. Okay. I would say yes, I am too. Good. Bob? Well, I think I'm more like Doc if we're doing the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, honestly, we're, we're being honest here, right? 
Sure. Uh, yeah. No, not really. Sorry. Question 19. I'm in there for him. Question 19. <laughs> Question 19. What would it take for you to be happier? Oh. Um, okay, I do think if you're happy, you could be happier, right? Uh, yeah. I would say for the pandemic to be done and for war to not be coming mm-hmm. and uh, for me to be a very normal person of my age. Nice. Living yeah. out the things that a person my age should be doing. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I would say I would say rest. I think I need mm. rest. Just had a break. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh. That is something that definitely impedes my my joy sometimes. Mm. Being tired. Um, Bob, what would it take for you to be happier? I'm too old. That ship has sailed. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another sidecar. I'm yeah, sure. Yes. There you go. Uh, Except I'm out of Quantro, so I can't have another one. Hmm. Question 20. 20. Do you have any trophies? I have I have a couple of medals from those obstacle courses I ran. Not nearly as many as, as you do from your running stuff. <laughs> um, but I also ha- I do have a little tiny like plastic like theater trophy from when uh-huh. I won that best lighting award oh, from the New York yeah. Theater Festival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah, Winter that Festival. Was nice. That was that like was 20, nice 2018. Yeah. Um, I still I still tell everyone I'm an award-winning lighting designer. It's not false. It's not, not false. It's the truth, 100%. Yeah. Um, do you have any trophies, Emily? Uh, I do. I have a lot of medals. Um, not flex. I, I would. I mean, everyone gets one, so it's okay. not a it's not a thing. But um, I have trophies from like high school and middle school from my <laughs> music department. <laughs> Uh, we had like a big end of year banquet and uh, they would give out trophies and plaques to people who, you know, exemplify things. So I guess I got a few. Okay. Musicianship, a spirit decor nice. of uh, just Ooh. embodying the spirit of the band. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Bob, do you have any trophies? Yeah, a whole bunch. Probably a dozen or so various athletic mm. thingies. Lots of bowling. Yeah. Uh, basketball championship. They're hanging out in the so living room. So fun. Yeah. What's your best bowling score? Uh, I think my highest game was actually 235. What? But I won uh, here. Um, first trophy I ever got. My parents bowled twice a week. They were the secretaries of their bowling leagues. So I got brought up in bowling alleys. So I was I was nine and bowled a 185 and I got a trophy. <gasps> Get out of That's here. That's so cool. Yeah. That's like... You're, the the ball weighed more than your <laughs> yeah. age. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. And then I started, I went into the school leagues, won some stuff over there. Then I was 14 and I was tired of that kind of. I wanted to bowl with my parents in the, in the adult league for money. So <laughs> yeah. my, my father, this is 1970, had to sign away my amateur athletic status so that I could bowl <laughs> his league. Amazing. Yeah. But it was it was fun. I used to be really really good at it, and now and it's just I'm just I'm done. Haven't bowled in many many years. The back isn't happy with me anymore. But it was I, I guarantee you would do better than me and Joey combined. So <laughs> oh, I'm pretty bad. Last time I bowled, I was with my friend Fred, who started 112 Video, where I worked for many years, and I was just look. I'm just going to have a couple of beers and coach with some friends of his and his wife at the time, and she bowled two frames and had basically two pins total. And then she was, she, she was hurt. 
It's like, yeah, I, I, my feelings would be hurt too if that's what I had. He went, you, know, you got a <laughs> bowl. I went, you got to finish. I went, I paid for the game. I went, Fred, I don't have my shoes. I don't have my ball. You got to, I hadn't picked up a ball in six years. And with an alley ball and my sneakers, this sounds awful, but I, I threw a strike on the first ball I'd thrown in six years. Flex. And, yep. and he's like, I won't be good at bowling if I win right now. And well, that was 10 years ago. But then I finished the game up and only got to bowl eight frames and still shot, I think, 160 something. Wow. Which I yeah, thought was like- I thought was pretty good. But again, it, I, I come from good bowling genes. My parents have even more That's trophies true. than I do. My dad's high score is 279. Mm. Through a strike, got nine and then through strikes the rest of the way. With- well, well, just to, to hype you up, I also come from a good bowling family, and I cannot. So you, <laughs> okay, well, you're doing great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Question 21. What is the best sandwich you've ever eaten? Ooh. I actually know the answer to this question for myself. Okay. Ahead, Emily, what is – no, I'll, I'll, I'll save it. What is the best sandwich you've ever eaten? I feel like I've had – better sandwiches but the one that comes to my mind is from a place by us that has a uh, it's a blat but when i had it i called it a blat <laughs> on the menu and uh they did, had no idea what i was talking about which i'm like let's just use context clues we'll get there but they had to make me feel bad about it but it is a bacon lettuce avocado tomato yeah I, I can go with that. Delicious from yeah. the White Star Bar. From the White Star okay. Bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just tell people where we live. Yeah, yeah it's, it's that's true. They'll come visit. They'll uh, have a sandwich with you. Yeah, have the blat. Please go and call it a blat, so I have more value. Oh, I definitely would. I definitely <laughs> yeah. would. Um, Bob, what's the best sandwich you ever eaten? Uh, it's tough for me to pick. I have. I'm going to go with two. One is we had had dinner there a couple of times. Joey Vauxhall in Huntington. Oh yeah, it's, it, it's off their menu, but they had what they called a griddled cheese sandwich, which was a grilled cheese and thick slice bacon and tomato sandwich on two grilled waffles. Mm. Mm, I think that sounds delicious. Yeah. No, when I went with y'all, I did not get it because I was like, we have a long night ahead of us. <laughs> yes, you do. <did. laughs> uh, We're gonna take a nap. Right. So it's, yeah, it's I would have, I would definitely fell asleep. It, it's either that or a Reese's nineteen hundred burger rare. Mm. Mm. I've also had that. I think. Yes, I think it's a it burger is. a sandwich. A burger is a burger sandwich. is a sandwich. It's, it's, it's right in me. Slices of bread. My my answer might change then. Okay, my absolute favorite sandwich that I've ever had is from Santa Fe, New Mexico, Doctor Feelgood's Kitchen. It's a, in a strip mall, random little place. <laughs> I ordered the Cuban off the menu. We oh. stopped over just for dinner in Santa Fe. Right by a- no, it wasn't a Guy Fieri. Oh. The reason why we stopped in Santa Fe is because there's a song in Rent the Musical. Let's open up a restaurant. No, I know that's in oh, Santa yeah. Fe. I thought I thought that's why we you stopped there. No, we went to the oh. restaurant. I got this I ordered a Cuban and it was without question not only the best Cuban I've ever had, but the best sandwich. The bread was mwah. The cheese was perfect. The meats were just. Oh. I can confirm Joey still talks about the sandwich. I talk about it all the time. Yeah. When people are like, yeah, I think I'm going on a road trip. I'm like, go, go to Santa Fe. Yeah, it's like I'm going this to random strip mall. Random strip mall. It was if you're in New Mexico, if you're in Santa Fe, if you're in the Southwest mm-hmm. right now, it head was over, very good. Head over. Great it was great. Um, question 22. Coming near the end here. 
How is or was your relationship with your grandparents? Emily. It is and was very positive and loving. Oh, very nice. Yes. Any elaboration or no? Just that's good. I mean, uh, I mean, men, most of my grandparents died when I was very young. So I had a very, very nice upbringing with them. And then uh, my one grandma is still alive and kicking. And she is uh, one of, I would say, my, my, my best friends because we see Sutton Foster together all the time. I learned to crochet the past year, and she teaches me other crochet techniques. So uh, we're crafting and Broadway buddies in that sense. Lovely. So That's it's nice. very, very good. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, Bob? Uh, my mom's parents, uh, they're all, everyone's gone. My mom's parents were not very demonstrably affectionate, but they were really good people. Mm. My father's, on my father's side, his father had passed in 1925 when he was a little boy. But his mother was the salt of the earth from the actual country of Bohemia, as I've talked about. And I now live in Bohemia, which is interesting. And it's her cheesecake I continue to make. And every other Saturday, every Saturday we went there were just joys to be. Now, the only thing is my parents were in their 40s when I was born. So I was kind of raised by my grandparents at a certain level. So positive across the board. Cool. Yeah, I, I also have very positive experiences mine it's challenging as a first generation kid my grandparents speak very little english um so there's always been a bit of a barrier there mm. um or was a barrier there uh in some cases um and but even with that said that's part of the kind of like children of immigrants experience especially from places where you know english is not the primary language um that kind of learning the language or not learning the language barrier remains um but i think that uh the relationship is very positive i just spoke at uh my grandfather's 88th birthday he he made me he made me give a speech (laughs) he was like joey you are invited to family gathering please MC and give speech. And I was like, of course, gung gung, whatever you need. Um, and it was a very, very lovely evening. And um, yeah, I agree. Very, very positive. Do your listeners know the two languages that you do not speak and your grandparents speak? Oh yeah, Cantonese and Sicilian Italian. Uh, I don't know what they know. I'm yeah. just here for the night. Emily, I've been on the show for like 10 years. I'm here, <laughs> I'm here for a night, buddy. All right. Well, um, it's not going to be the last time you're here, Emily. I'm just saying I'm that. Sure. We'll, we'll see. We'll you got see. a lot of comics It's been to a read. long time already. Yeah. All right. Two two questions here. Uh, well, technically two and a half-ish. Uh, question 23. Do you have any addictions? This is a very complicated question. I will say this, and this is kind of the safe answer. I think I eat too many sweets. I don't agree with that at all. Really? You don't think I eat too much ice cream? I think you eat a cookies? lot of ice cream, but I wouldn't be like to the point that I'm like, Joe, we need to talk about this. That's true. Okay. I feel like if you had an addiction, I'd be like, Joe, you're spending like half our income on ice cream. I guess that's true. <laughs> you know? All right. Well, then I don't have any addiction. Good for you. I do think if I were to have an addiction, it would be like buying craft supplies. Oh, my God. We, we are currently <laughs> sitting in our guest room, which I have turned into our craft room. There are like a thousand spools of yarn. Yeah, a lot of balls, a lot of balls. Of You've yarn. settled in the last couple of months because I actually did have to intervene. Uh, and you were right. You were right. I looked around and I said, okay, okay. I, there's too many here. <laughs> and now I'm trying to make things out yes. of the yarn. Okay. Like your, uh, what am I making? Poncho. Here? The poncho. Yeah. Nice. The lounging poncho. Yeah. That's not addiction. Um, that's that's a that's a positive. I'm saying. 
Thank you, Bob. All yeah. right, I'm going to go to the store tomorrow. Well, please don't. <laughs> no, my house is filled with stuff my mother made, just in the same way where she made doilies and made sweaters. Just and keep making stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all around the house, and it's remembered forever. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No addiction. Uh, Bob, do you have any addictions? Um, how long do we have? <laughs> I'm, I'm a collector, as Emily's dad is, and in, in an attempt to fill time and space and whatever, I have way too many movies and way too much music and way too many comics and books. And I've said this on the show before. The first time Carolyn Coca came into my house, she went, there's more stuff, more media here than in stores. Went, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah, why not? If I want to put a movie right, Bob, on. We're going right. to talk after this. Yeah. You're going to meet my dad. Yes. I feel like you guys would really get along. I think so. We will. We'll have to do that. Yeah. Question twenty-four. What's one good quality of someone you hate, Emily? No, we no, we're not a names here. Mm-hmm. Like no names, no specifics, um, but just a good quality of the person say... you don't like. Keep cutting people off. I'm sorry. No, no, that's what we do. Podcast etiquette. It's Um, It's radio. I I would say that they don't care what other people think of them. Mm. Mm. They're willing to be hated. They're willing to be loved. They're willing to just be what they are and accept whatever comes from that. The boldness of that. Uh, Even not even the boldness, just like the acceptance of being Mm. like whatever people think of me from this it literally means nothing to me because it's what i am putting out there i think in yiddish that's called chutzpah 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 i always think is positive and what's one good quality of someone you hate oh, I, I don't want to say i really hate anyone and again we can't say who anybody is but um they have interesting hair Nicer than mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also don't like to hate anyone. Um, All right, okay, we get it. All yeah. right, I'm good an quality. No. I hate. <laughs> no, no, no. You're honest, right? Or what was it? You're intuitive, clever, and uh, whatever. Gemini is Gemini. <laughs> oh, what a person I hate. Uh, you know, probably similar to what you were saying, Emily. It's just like, you know what? At least they're just going to do them, you know? And I, I suppose there is something to admire about them just, like, doing just the thing, yeah. even though mm-hmm. it makes me hate their guts, you know? That's fair. That's cool. That person is Steve Say. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Steve, we miss you. Um, I'm just kidding. All right. So that's actually the proper survey. Question 25 is... In case we lose your envelope and need to send you prizes, would you please share your name and address below? So what we're going to do is we'll send Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples the link to this episode and be like, hey, we did your survey and we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see if in the back matter of Saga 58 or 59, if like they actually have people filling out these surveys and responses to questions. That'd be very cool. cool. I I can see them doing that. Or maybe they'll have a special Saga issue with nothing but results. Yeah. That'd be really cool. That'd be really fun. I read that. We, and hey, maybe, you know, I mean, uh, Sarah and Jess were in the back matter of Crowded that one time. Yeah. I managed, I managed a pretty deadly appearance. Is this the next 36 questions? That's funny. Do you think, do you think that if you asked these questions, you would fall in love with someone? Um, 
I think if you attach any questions to anything and say, if you ask these, you'll fall in love. Yes, you will, because uh, you're just convinced if someone answers these questions, you'll do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. sure. Yeah. I mean, folks at home, if you read Saga and you wanted to give the questionnaire a shot and you wanted to send us some responses or whatever, or if you do submit to Saga, let us know and we'll keep an eye out for those, <laughs> those responses. That'd be really cool. And this could be better um, than speed dating. Yeah, yeah, totally. That should be all of speed dating is these questions and the 36 <laughs> questions from the New York Times. That would be a today. full 50 questionnaire. Yeah, that's like what? Two hours? Yeah. It and then really the, is longer. And but. then the 51st question is send me send your me address. Send me your address. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you for coming on and doing the questions with Thanks us. Thanks for yes, having Emily. me. Joy. An absolute joy. It was joy. a pleasure. Thanks that was for having me. super fun. Um, before we go... Um, oh, you're just, you're literally just no, going to walk done, out of the I'm room. Done. Good wow. Night. Good night. All right. Do you want to say bye, Bob? Uh, bye, bye, Emily. Bye, Bob. Like no. I said, we'll connect because yes. I think we have a lot in common and need to discuss further past everyone else listening. So, <laughs> goodbye. All right. I'm She's literally running away. She's going to bed, I think. Um, before we, we let everybody go, um, we should talk about the books that, that we want to get for next week. Um, I did make a list. Did you make a list? Yes. Okay. Well, I will, you go first. I think we'll have some overlap. She-Hulk 2 does come out this week. It was supposed to come out last week and didn't. However, Elvira number five was, and that moves to next week. So the heck with that. Uh, Adventure Man number eight, Fantastic Four 41, Strange number one with our new Sorceress Supreme, Trial of the Amazons number one. And I am still on board with The Thing by Walter Mosley. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it gets better. Hoping against hope, I yes. think, uh, at that point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on She-Hulk. I did not know that Adventure Man was coming out this week. I'll definitely check that out. Who's on Strange? Who's doing that? I forget. You have to, we'll have to look oh. that one up. Okay, I'll look it up. Um, I'm also on Black Panther, number four, Spider-Woman, number 20, X-Men, number nine, Crossover, number 12, Monkey Prince number two. I totally misspoke before when I was like, we have a few weeks until Trial of the Amazons because it's literally Trial of the Amazons this week. Um, So that's exciting. Um, Strange number one is Jed McKay and Marcello Ferreira. Oh, that's cool. Um, That's really cool, actually. Uh, I don't know what the if if I'm going to meet up with Steve or Aaron or John to do a little tag on to this episode because we got a full episode out of just the two of us <laughs> yes. with Emily's uh, guest, and that's great. I love it. And you know what? Maybe the fans will love it too. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention this evening, Bob? Just to say thank you to you, Joey. Oh, of course. It was a, it was a, it was a killer of a week for a whole lot of other reasons, and we have the continuity we talked about before with friends who want to hang and do stuff, and we're here, and this was great. Thanks to Emma. Yeah. Of course, of course. I'm sure she's she's got the bug, and I'm sure that we'll, we'll have her on. She almost came on for that Spider-Man review episode, <sighs> but it was all it was all five of us on that episode. I think it would have just been a little crowded. Maybe for Doctor Strange. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> She'd be like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> And we'll all be like, we don't either. Honey. Exactly. Um, 
There was one news story that we were going to talk about, but you mentioned it, which was that Chip Zdarsky is hopping on to uh, Batman shortly. Um, yes. So that'll be cool. And I'm sure that we'll have more opinions of that as it gets closer. Um, if this does end up being the episode, then I hope you all enjoyed it at home. Please feel free to continue sending your comments and questions to podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We're also on Twitter at Talking Comic Books. Um, we are slowly but surely working out both the website and the Patreon. It will happen. They will be back and, and there will be tons more ways for you to connect with us in the coming weeks. Um, but I'll just do the sign off now. And if there's a tag on, I'll put it somewhere else. Uh, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the talking comics podcast. As always, please feel free to reach out to us at the places that I just mentioned before. Um, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old fashioned email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. I am at Joey Bracino. You can also email me, Joey, at TalkingComicBooks.com as well. Steve is at Dead underscore Anchorus. Aaron is at Aaron J. Amos. Uh, uh, John is at John P. Burkle. And we have tons of other folks that we love, and they're on the show sometimes too. (laughs) Um, And that's going to do it. Bob, do you have a goodbye for everyone? Bye. Very (laughs) simple. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Be excellent to each other. We wish the best to Aaron, Steve, and John, who are dealing with so many, so many things right now. Um, And until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued. 